That works uh, for the radio station this show is broadcasted on. So big thanks for him coming out and hanging out with us today, Doctor Chalaya. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm. Can you hear me? I'm. Yeah, yeah. Everything is loud and clear. Good, good. good. Um. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so uh, well, before I guess we really get started today, uh, we're going to talk about vaccines. Um, actually, what what really brought up this subject um, was my wife and I. We just found out, well, not just found out, we just revealed the gender of our baby. Um, it's our first, and we got a little girl on the way, um, Kelsey Marie. So we are, you know, first-time parents, and, I, you know, I there, there's so many different opinions um, on this particular subject. And I brought Dr. Chalai on um, just to basically, let's you know, let's sit down as Christians, let's reason, let's, you know, why, you know, it, should we get vaccines? Should we not get vaccines? Why or why not? Um, so I, you know, wanted somebody that's qualified to answer these uh, types of questions. Um, so before we get started, really, Dr. Shalai, just tell people a little bit about yourself and um, some of your credentials and why this is an okay. important issue to you. I'm a medical doctor. I'm a board certified in internal medicine, board certified in cardiology, general cardiology. I'm board certified in interventional cardiology. I'm board certified in forensic medicine. So I I have four board certifications. I've been in practice for 37 years. This is my 38th year. I'm still in active practice. I'm in good health, so I continue to practice medicine. I am also a full professor at the University of North Dakota. I've been teaching for 30 years at the university. I also am a a fellow of the American College of Cardiology, fellow of the American College of Physicians, and fellow of the American College of Chest Physicians. So those are my qualifications. So the only only thing, conclusion you can draw from this is that I've been around the block a couple of times, and I think I know what I'm talking about. That's the only reason I'm mentioning those. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And it's good. It's good because it shows that you're educated in this field, um, you know, and because there, I, I don't know if you've seen some of the, uh, the uh, well, I, I just typed in on Google just a few minutes before this started, and a PDF actually got brought up, and I want to read it, and just, not not all sure. of it, um but I just want to read, and, and there, the only reason I bring this up is because this isn't just an isolated event. This is a mindset 
that Christians have, and uh, amongst other people as well. And so what I'm what we're doing today is just really, you know, looking at this from a Christian worldview. Dr. Chalai and both and, and I both are Christians, and we have a Christian worldview. Um, so I want to look at this, you know, particular subject because I'm about to experience it. And to be honest, I, we have decided. Um, now that may change before <laughs> we've decided before the show to uh, that we're going to vaccinate our um, our child or little girl, and we're, we d- we decided to be safe about it though. So that's exactly why I'm bringing uh, Dr. Chalai on today to talk about this because I'm more concerned <laughs> than anybody really right now because, like I said, it's about to happen to me. But before that, um, I, I just want to read this, and because, like I said, this is a this is a worldview, and it's in within the Christian. Um, a sect, so to say. So the the title of it is A Christian Statement on Vaccination and Religious Objection. Introduction. As Christians with religious objections to vaccines, we share the goals of promoting good health for children and families, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. With these goals in mind, in uh, good conscience, we cannot agree to have the state mandate vaccinating our children. Some with religious objections to vaccinate may choose to use some vaccines, and some may abstain from all. We are united against religious discrimination, which goes against our sincerely held beliefs. And I would agree with that last subject, uh, or last statement, but we continue. It says, Christians, uh, Christian reasons to avoid vaccination. So this is one end of the spectrum. Uh, number one, fetal cell lines. American vaccines have a serious moral issue with cell lines taken from aborted babies. The Bible teaches thou shalt not kill. Biblically murdering another person is a serious offense which brings the need for redress. As God told Cain when he murdered his brother, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. In addition to avoiding violence, Christians are also told to advocate for victims. Some of the most common vaccines are licensed in America in forms that include uh, live unattenuated viruses cultured in aborted fetal cell lines. Uh, The rubella portion of the MMR and MMRV is Wistar RA27-3. I don't know what that means, Dr. Schley. Maybe you can translate, Um, but it continues. It is documented that at least 80 abortions, likely more, took place in order to create simply that one vaccine. And then they go on um, to number two, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um, number two says sexual ethics and substance abuse. And whenever I first read this, I had to reread it because I didn't understand what they were saying, and I really still don't. So bear with me as we get through this, and then I will bring Dr. Chalai on to answer some of these um, objections. It says sexual ethics and substance abuse. The Bible says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Christianity teaches radical self-control and a lifestyle with high moral ethics, including lifetime monogamy. We are to flee from sexual immorality of any kind and are not to abuse the body with recreational intravenous drugs. For most people, sexual contact or needle sharing are the only ways to be exposed to infections such as HPV, sexual only, or hepatitis B uh, from a needle. Generally, these vaccines are administered in order to enable one's children to make biblically sinful decisions. I have no idea what they mean by that, um, but I had to reread it. But anyway, they continue. If 
adults choose to pursue these lifestyles or work in high-risk fields, they can make the choice to get the vaccinations. But to require Christian parents to provide them to children who are genuinely not at risk of these diseases is a violation of conscience. And again, I think that's, if I'm reading that correctly, I think that's a very, very radical statement, um, to say the least, to say that HPV vaccines make children want to have sex and use drugs. I think that's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, that's one end of the spectrum. Um, so, Dr. Chalaya, what what kind of, I guess, are these objections um, genuine, or are, are they a little outrageous, to, to say the least? Well, uh, basically, I think that, uh, I don't know whether I would call it outrageous, they are not okay. reasonable. That's okay. the way I would put it. They are not reasonable. For example, you can, uh, let's take one small aspect of what the statement said. It is possible to take cells from naturally aborted fetuses. In other words, you don't have to cause abortion. As you heard, you know that some women have spontaneous abortion. It's called miscarriage. Sure. And it is possible to take cells from the miscarried fetuses. So it's not, you don't have to kill a fetus to get fetal cells. So that blows that argument away. Now, how they do it, maybe they do it. Uh, perhaps the statement is correct that often they take cells from aborted fetuses. However, it doesn't have to be manually, artificially aborted fetuses. What about the naturally aborted fetuses? You can get cells from there. Sure. So yeah, that it, it actually almost... you know, blows that theory away, number one. Number two, uh, I think we should come to the HPV vaccine later. Let's talk about the majority of the vaccines that we talk about. Uh, you know, HPV vaccine is a separate entity altogether. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. In a, you know, there is some dispute that in a monogamous uh, sexual relationship, HPV uh, may not be as pos- uh, prevalent, but we don't know that for a fact. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, it's commonly assumed the HPV is uh, occurs with multiple sexual partners. That is a common understanding. I don't know whether I can certify that that is absolutely the gospel truth. Sure. In other words, sure. can people who have never been uh, who been monogamous can they get uh, HPV cervical cancer? They do get cervical cancer. How do you explain that? Right. It sounds you know, even, like it almost even sounds nuns like so get, you don't necessarily have to, you know, be sexually active to conduct or to um, receive the HPV uh, vaccine. It, it's logical to say that you, the child would need this because it's not you, you can get it from sexual um, activity, but it's you can get it from other places as well. That is correct. So, okay. again, I'd like to put that away for the towards the end of your discussion, but let's talk about the common sure. vaccines like, uh, you know, diphtheria uh, mm-hmm. vaccine, smallpox vaccine, okay. and uh, uh, tetanus toxin vaccine, so on and so forth. What about those? Those are completely right. safe. Uh, no, I'm sorry, completely innocuous. They don't come from any major, what you call, uh, uh, ethically disputed 
um, you know, cell lines. So how do you, you know, why not dispense with those? Uh, let's talk about whether they are safe. There are three, three things we need to talk about when it comes to vaccines. Number one, okay. you need to know how the vaccines are produced. I mean, uh, how they work. Uh, are you familiar with uh, how they work, Tyler? Not at all. No, this is my first rodeo with okay. vaccines. So yeah, I'm learning okay. about this my first time. <laughs> Let's give you some basic idea for the sake of those listening in. Basically, yes. what it is, is this. Uh, I'm sure you heard of Edward Jenner, who actually, what he did was he took uh, smallpox uh, from the, I think, cow maybe, and he injected mm-hmm. it into himself. And he found that, uh, you know, he didn't get smallpox. And uh, so he found that of course he did a very dangerous experiment because sure. the virus was alive and uh, you know fully potent mm-hmm. so basically what it is is this when you introduce a, a foreign protein okay that's the bottom line remember uh, the body comprises three different uh, components carbohydrates proteins and fats sure uh, when a foreign protein enters the cell for example when you consume say a say a, a serving of beans mm-hmm. the beans are made up of proteins and among other things i'm only talk focusing on the protein the proteins mm-hmm. are made up of small building blocks called amino acids mm-hmm. i'm sure you heard the word amino acid yes so amino acids are the building blocks of proteins there are about 26 or 27 of them. They keep changing the numbers every now and then, but about 27 of them. And when the when you consume a piece of uh, meat or uh, serving of beans, the protein in the beans or the meat is broken down in the digestive process into amino acids. Mm-hmm. And then the amino acids, individual amino acids are absorbed into the bloodstream. Are you with me so far? Yep, yep. N- now, the body will put the amino acids back together to form the protein that it needs. Now, when the body produces proteins, synthesizes proteins within the body, those proteins are identical to the proteins that are existing in your body. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's like they're copying. So, for example, yeah, they use the amino acids to create a duplicate of your muscle cell, for example. Okay. So the muscle cell that it created is identical to the muscle cell that you already have. Whereas, if you ate a piece of um, cheese, I mean, not cheese, uh, a steak, the the protein molecules in the meat, if they escape digestion, let's assume they escape digestion, it happens. And one of those particles somehow gets through the digestive tract into the bloodstream, undigested. That means they are not broken into amino acids. Are you with me so far? Yeah. If that protein molecule is absorbed into the bloodstream, that protein molecule is different than any protein molecule that is already in the body. I see. Because the body hasn't broken it down and created it into the the exact copy. Its own protein that it wants. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sure. the animal protein is different than the human protein. So the body recognizes it as a a foreign material. Almost like so, an invader. 
Exactly. It is not an almost. It's an invader. So the okay. body immediately turns on its immune system. The immune system produces another protein particle that has the exact opposite uh, of that uh, protein. In other words, it has the ability to go and attack the foreign protein and try to destroy it. Okay, that Because is the basic. So is so is the the copy. So this is interesting to me. Really, it is. Um, so the 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 little. I mean, I I I'm not protein molecule terminology. Protein the molecule. Protein, sure, the protein molecule that gets sent out is it's an opposite copy of or not a copy, but it's opposite of what that other thing is. No, it's how like how does that work? It, it's 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 it has a specific uh, structure, but uh, trying to keep it simple. Think of it as a um, uh, ball and socket. In other words, you know, if the foreign protein is a, a ball, mm -hmm. the protein that the body produces is like a socket. It goes and engulfs the uh, sock, uh, ball and makes it inactive. Are you with me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a very crude example, but basically that's the way it works. It grabs it. Sure. And when it grabs it, it becomes inactive. That particular protein molecule cannot hurt your body. Okay. And these so-called um, cups or hand-like things that are coming out of the body that is produced to attack mm -hmm. the foreign molecules are called antibodies. Okay, antibodies. And by definition, the protein molecule that invaded the body undigested is called antigen meaning it gen means generating okay antigen it is it has the ability to generate an antibody so the invading okay. protein is an antigen and the defending protein is antibody okay when they combine together the antigen is neutralized meaning it made ineffective Are you with me so far? This is a very basic concept you need to understand. Yes, yes. The antibody okay, so terminates the antigen. It it inactivates or, or uh, in, makes it ineffective, okay? Neutralizes it. Now, okay. Neutralizes it, exactly. Sure. That's how okay. the body's immune mechanism works. Now, mm -hmm. here's what happens. If you have millions and billions of protein small particles escape digestion, get into your bloodstream, the immune system will try to make up, uh, you know, uh, fight it back, but it gets overwhelmed sure. because sure, of billions the... and billions of... So, because now, remember, all the antibodies have to be made on demand, okay? But what if, what if, before you introduce the foreign protein, okay, mm -hmm. He introduced, introduced a very, very tiny amount of foreign protein in very tiny quantities and in, injected into the body. What happens is the body's immune system wakes up and starts producing not just one antibody, but hundreds of thousands of millions of antibodies against that one antigen. Are you with me so far? It's like, so in a modern day, you know, bigger picture, let's say like this, it's almost like you're... You're preparing for war, really. I mean, you are exactly, training, exactly. You're training your soldiers you see a to fight. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You see one soldier coming 
across the border, foreign, you know, enemy soldier, immediately right. the whole army is alerted and you say, hey, all 10,000 of you prepare because maybe this guy is only one of the 10,000 that's coming at us. So in mm-hmm. other words, the army has been awakened and they are ready. And so what happens is the body produces millions and billions of antibodies ahead of time. So when and if and when the real threat comes in, they can neutralize it very quickly. So the body does not get overwhelmed. Are you with me so far? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And that is the basic idea of vaccination. Okay. So you don't want uh, the... You don't want to wait until the invasion has occurred. By the time you produce all the antibodies, the infection might overwhelm you because they're coming in in billions and billions of particles at a time, you see. Right. That's because, I mean, that's why the Black Plague, for example, was so effective is because they didn't have, they their their antibodies wasn't ready. They wasn't awakened yet. You exactly. Know what I mean? so, exactly. Now okay. you got the basic idea. Now sure. let's talk about how you produce these vaccines. There are, uh, okay. um, there are four ways to do it. Sometimes uh, if you take a vaccine, okay, and a live fully active vaccine, put it into the body, mm-hmm. you might end up with this disease, the real disease. Okay, so Mm -hmm. what they do is they try to either kill the virus. Mm -hmm. So the virus is killed, only the protein. So it is, it's like a dead protein molecule. Okay, so the what is the difference between a dead protein molecule and a live protein molecule? The live protein molecule can multiply. The dead protein Mm -hmm. molecule cannot multiply. Are you with me so far? Is the dead protein molecule also inactive? Like if it were to get into the bloodstream, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be harmful. Yes, because okay. the uh, dead protein molecule is not going to be as harmful because it's dead. It cannot duplicate. So the insult it can okay. do is the temporary insult. So one trick we use in the medical field is to produce dead uh, viruses and inject them into the body as vaccines. And so now the dead vac- dead viruses cannot multiply and overwhelm the body, but it's enough but, to right, stimulate so, the body's different mechanism. Mm-hmm. So the dead virus, okay. even though it's in, it's in the bloodstream, it's still detected by the antibodies as a foreign body. So the antibodies will because, still remember, attack it even though it can't multiply. Yeah, because Tyler, okay. the mm-hmm. trick is the body is looking for a foreign protein. Sure. In other words, if not the foreign virus did not have a protein, body may have a tough time trying to produce an antibody against it. Right. It has to be a protein right. m- molecule. Okay. Dead so is still dead is still like, dead is still useful. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. a dead protein molecule is right. useful to stimulate the immune system. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. it. It was found out that certain diseases, if you injected a dead virus, it doesn't bring about a defense immune system response. It was discovered, you know, by experimentation. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, dead viruses doesn't stimulate in one only particular disease. So they said, well, what if we took a live virus and treated it in such a way that it became very, very weak, like make Mm -hmm. a soldier very weak and then let Mm -hmm. him invade. Mm 
He, he cannot really, like he's got only a, a handgun with six bullets in it, whereas your army has uh, machine guns. You see, uh, sure. he's outgunned. Okay. Right. So this is called live attenuated virus. In other words, you take a live virus, but make it weak before you inject it to the body. So it's weak enough not to cause a real disease, but it's enough to stimulate the uh, body's me- defense mechanism. So right. now you heard live virus, which is attenuated, and then dead virus. Mm-hmm. Okay? The third way to do that is sometimes in the case of like um, in tetanus, for example, tetanus is a, uh, caused by a bacteria, you know, Clostridium tetani. Mm-hmm. And the problem there is it is difficult to produce a um, uh, antibody against the virus itself. But even if you do, it's not as effective because basically the tetanus by itself is not the most, uh, the virus, the bacteria is not the most dangerous thing. It produces chemical that is the dangerous uh, uh, chemical. It's called tetanus uh, toxoid, toxin. Okay. Okay, it's so a poison. It's, a, it's to, also. Is that why you have to keep getting a tetanus shot? Because I work in the metal, uh, metal field in my day job. I'm a welder. And every time I go to the hospital, they ask me, when's the last time you had a tetanus shot? Um, and, and I re-up mm-hmm. it, you know, every so often. So is that why five that years. is? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, Correct. five years. Because okay. it's, it is a vaccine. It, they use just the toxin, the tox, uh, small amount of toxin injected into your body. And the body will produce antitoxins. And so the next time you have an overwhelming toxin um, coming into your body, it is ready to mm-hmm. cancel it off. Okay? I see. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the fourth kind of a vaccine is, in some cases, you don't need the protein itself. You can take some of the components like the um, sugars in the virus or bacteria and you can... Uh, develop a vaccine based on that. That's relatively okay. uh, rare. That is not the most common. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so instead, in, now you, instead of with that one, instead of taking the actual foreign body, you can take pieces of that foreign body and make a vaccine that's against the actual body. Correct. The yeah, okay. some of the components of the components of the uh, bacteria rather than the whole bacteria. Okay. okay? And that can do that, okay? So now you've understood the basic concept of antibodies and antigens and immune therapy. Right. Let's come to actual diseases. For example, you know that certain diseases are extremely dangerous when they occur. Mm -hmm. For example, meningococcus, meningococcal disease like meningitis, Mm -hmm. it can be fatal. And so there, I don't think you should have any choice. Basically, what I'm getting at, I'll tell you what I'm going to get at. There are certain viruses, there are certain viruses you can choose, pick and choose. I mean, certain uh, vaccines you can pick and choose. There are certain Mm -hmm. vaccines I don't think you should choose, uh, pick and choose. You should just get it. There's no no other way. For example, HPV is one of those. Yeah, Mm -hmm. HPV is one of those that you can, you know, decide if you want to do it or not. That is not. Right. But, Meningococcal, you're taking a very, very high risk. Let me now, give you how, one other let me give you no, another I, principle that I want you to understand, Tyler. Basic in yeah, medicine. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Suppose you come to me as a patient 
and say right. let's assume uh, 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 god forbid but let's assume you and your wife both come out, come to me with pneumonia same pneumonia sure. mm-hmm. but your wife looks much sicker than you right okay so mm-hmm. i'm going to examine you and say well tyler has pneumonia and the appropriate treatment is an antibiotic but mm-hmm. he is not that sick so and i know that antibiotics have risks so therefore mm-hmm. the risk from complications are hurting him with antibiotics much higher than the risk from the pneumonia so right. in your case i'll say i'm not going to give him antibiotic for the same pneumonia but your wife looks much sicker and i examine her and say you know in her i better not take a chance because in her the risk of the pneumonia is greater than the risk of the antibiotic right so i will give her antibiotic in other words a lot of people have this misunderstanding that in medicine doctors pick between good and bad i'm mm-hmm. telling you we don't have that choice we pick between bad and bad Right. Pneumonia right. is bad. Mm-hmm. Antibiotic is bad. Yeah. And I say, well, which is the lesser of the two evils? In your case, pneumonia is the lesser of the two evils. So I skipped antibiotic. In your wife's case, not so much. Uh, not so much. I can't take chance because she looks very ill. Mm-hmm. So the risk exactly. from her dying from the pneumonia is very high. So in that case, I'm going to err on the side of giving her antibiotic, fully realizing. Right she might get hurt from the antibiotic and the sad thing is let me give you a straight out here no vaccine is 100% safe in everybody absolutely i can say that no well there may be some vaccines are basically safe but you cannot say all mm-hmm. vaccines are never going to be 100% safe there's going to be always somebody who gets some uh, allergic reaction or some reaction from the vaccine but mm-hmm. if if only one out of a million people get hurt from a vaccine listen i'm worried about the one out of a million it is not to be dismissed but in the right. overall scheme of things that where you say well you know what it helps a 999999 people yeah. i'm going to and one person might get hurt not guaranteed get hurt one might get hurt i'm going to use the vaccine anyway right Absolutely. It's a risk versus benefit ratio just like I told you about the pneumonia. Mhm. And and that's what it would seem like to me as well looking at this, you know, just from, you know, trying not to be biased, trying not to, you know, let anything really just just look at the it, it's funny to say odds, you know, of it, but that's really what we're looking at here. If you because i mean let's be honest the number one thing i saw whenever i posted the thing about vaccines i don't know if you saw it on my facebook or not dr shalai but the 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 number one complaint and this is coming from like i said a majority of christian um people is saying that one we shouldn't get you know the the uh, vaccines because of aborted baby stem cells in it and again we've completely destroyed that argument it's irrelevant to this point but if and especially from my view and from my perspective of the bible and of the world and everything around me it seems like if my child okay and, and god forbid this happened but i'm just speaking from my heart here if my child is going 
to die, right? And which be, let's let's face it, that's a very likely possibility, especially in the day we live in now. But if my child is not, and God is going to allow my child to grow up, and you know whatever He's got, you know for her, whatever is His plan, let, let's say like that for her life, it's going to happen. And it, it almost seems like at the end of the day, whether we vaccine, whether we not, you know, it's there are some things that you you absolutely need protection from. I mean, let's face it, you know, if we're going to say this about vaccines, does that mean that we're not going to take antibiotics or, you know, over-the-counter medicine? Of course not. We do these things. God has given these things to us to use. I mean, you, I think exactly. everybody would agree with that. And, exactly. And so, so go and let ahead, me continue. expand um, on that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Let me expand on a bit, okay, philosophically. Mm-hmm. Sure. God, remember, I'm sure you remember the incidents where God healed some people by saying the word. Right. Okay? And some people, mm-hmm. he said, go wash in the, wash your eyes in the, uh, in a pool or salome. Right. Right. And sometimes he actually made a pie, in a, a poultice out of mud and apply to the eye. Yep. In other words, what he's saying is he uses human help, human and the earth, uh, the resources on the earth to help people. In fact, I am a strong believer in that God put me on this earth to help other people as a medical physician. And exactly. so I don't think I was able to successfully treat a very difficult patient Wednesday in Crookston. Praise the Lord. And uh, people said, well, you did a great job. And I said, well, the Lord did the job. I was his assistant. So exactly. I believe that we physicians are God's tools to get the job done. Right. Now, does he need me? No. He could very well say the word and the patient will be healed. However, Absolutely. he wants humans to help each other. And that is the reason why he allows us to do this. Now, furthermore, do you know that most most Not all, but many of the modern medications are derived from plants. Really? For example, a cancer medication, Mm -hmm. Taxol, is from a bark of a tree in South America. Really? Okay. Uh, Aspirin comes from the tree, willow tree. Mm -hmm. Dijoxin, heart pill, comes from another uh, plant. Okay? So... In fact, I believe that God put all these chemicals in plants for us to use to heal people, not hurt people. So I believe that we should use the modern medical technology that God has given us within the bounds of ethics, okay? Right. So I believe that if my child is sick, not just Mm -hmm. praying is fine, but not offering uh, my child proper medical care i believe is not a proper christian attitude sure if it's there to use i mean let's i I agree so much with this you know because we're not so for for uh, god forbid anybody could take us out of context what we're not saying is that prayer does absolutely nothing it's foolish to ask for god if he's going to miraculously heal we wouldn't have doctors no that's not what we're saying at all pray yes god is the one who is sovereign over diseases as well as everything else. But 
Right. He has also given us, I mean, let's let's look at the Bible. What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, he didn't say, I'm going to miraculously heal you, even though Paul could heal. He said, drink a little wine for your frequent ailments. And he's saying, yes, right. use the resources. Man, you know, and, and I think this has happened, actually, with the argument of the aborted fetal cells. I really do. I think man has perverted something good by doing it like that than, like you said, you know, people, my wife, I mean, I, mean, I, I hate bringing my wife up, but she's fine with it, um, for examples. But my wife has had three miscarriages, right? And if those babies mm-hmm. could have been used in a way that would benefit us, I mean, we are all made in God's image. How right. is that sinful, you know, in and of itself? I think it's motive behind. It's not abso- you know, it is it absolutely sinful. not sinful if it happens spontaneously and sure. without human intervention. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing wrong. By the way, let me give you something that you can pass on to your wife. Did you absolutely. know that most, most, a lot of people don't realize it. A lot of women cry over miscarriages and say, oh, I lost a baby. Did you know that in most cases, those uh, miscarried babies were probably had some abnormality to begin with? Did you know that? No, I didn't. Right. Many of the aborted, uh, I'm talking about natural uh, miscarriages. Sure. Most of the miscarriages occur because there is some abnormality in the fetus most of the time. So, Yes, it is always a loss. However, you should not uh, sit and cry over it for a long time because it was probably best. God said, hey, this uh, fetus is going to have a difficult situation. And uh, so the nature takes care of itself. Basically, it says, hey, it's not enough blood supply, for example, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. some of the vital organs are malformed that it's not Mm -hmm. viable. Let me put it this way. Right. If fetus is viable, then it's okay. But the, many of the fetuses are not viable in miscarriages. That's why they miscarriage. So it is not it, necessarily a fault of the mother. She didn't do anything wrong. It mm-hmm. is sometimes there is some abnormalities of the fetal fetal tissue that mm-hmm. could not sustain itself. That's the problem. And, so they should if, not worry about it. And if we were being consistent as Christians, we believe that once the sperm hits the egg, that's life, and that's a soul, and that's a living soul, Correct. a living being. Correct. Right? So in in a very, very real sense then, you know, to, to put this in biblical terminology, God has shown that person, because we believe it's a person, if we're being consistent, that person mercy, and God shows mercy, Romans 9, uh, you know, on whom he has mercy. And that is a very, I think, practical way to look at that. God has, you know, chosen from some... Uh, for for whatever reasons, if if that you know that child had a physical abnormality which made it miscarry, that's an act of mercy. Um, and, and again, Correct. it doesn't mean that God has to do that with everyone. We live in a fallen world. Sometimes we are born, you know, with, with with defects and things like that. But thank God for medicine and modern day technology to be able to at, at least you know give some of these people a happy life. Which I mean, most of the time back, what uh, maybe even. Four, five hundred years ago, they would have died extremely, extremely young. Um, so, that there, is there's, I think there's good in everything, really. Um, so, real quick, look, we this conversation, uh, time flew. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, it, so, let, yes. let's back to the vaccine conversation then, real quick. Sure. Is there any vaccines that are absolutely just unnecessary? I I, I understand that, you know, HPV, but I guess let me put it like this. What vaccines are necessary um, that that you would recommend personally? 
Well, basically, what I would recommend is this. Um, uh, let me just go through the number uh, one by one. Sure. Uh, hepatitis B virus uh, vaccine is extremely important because uh, hepatitis uh, can cause uh, liver cancer and people terminal liver failure and people can die. So hepatitis A and B vaccine and C vaccines are very important and uh, should be used. This is for adults. I'm just going over you know one by one. Sure. Uh, and hepatitis B vaccine is also given at birth also. Now, okay. uh, diphtheria, tetanus, and whooping cough are very important. I'll tell you why. I have seen children with whooping cough. You will start crying when you see a child coughing, you know, mm-hmm. what you call interminably. I mean, coughing, 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 and then the patient, I mean, the baby turns blue. It's Ooh. a very horrendous uh, you know, situation. So I've seen sure. babies like that. So mm-hmm. uh, diphtheria, tetanus, it's called the DPT, whooping okay. cough. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. um, whooping cough is, uh, has a medical terminology. Um, anyway, the DPT, uh, they call it DTAP or whatever they call it. That's very important. Now, haemophilus influenza, uh, maybe not. Pneumococcal, Probably not necessary. Again, I'm saying they they are optional, but they are okay. They are not dangerous. They can be taken. The one I have a problem with is, uh, you know, the HPV you can uh, skip. And let me give you one practical example that might give you a clue as to where I'm going with this. Sure. I... I, I, I practice very high level of um, health, meaning I exercise every day. I only consume plant-based uh, products. I don't consume any animal products. I very rarely fall ill. Even if I get as, uh, ill, I get better within 24 hours. Now, sure. I was going to work with a car- couple of cardiologists in Texas on a special project. So the hospital told me, Unless you have all these vaccinations up to date, we are not going to allow you to come and work in our hospital. Mm -hmm. So I was forced to take flu vaccine, Mm -hmm. which I normally don't take. Within a week, I got the worst flu I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. This happened to me. In other words, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a classical example of Number one, vaccines don't always prevent disease. Number two, right. you can get sick from the vaccine itself. Right. But nevertheless, I recommend vaccines for children because it protects mm-hmm. them from potentially very, very dangerous diseases. Right, right. Right, and because there's a very real sense in, you know, like, well, for example, what are, are some of these transmittable by um well, you said the HPV, you know, it's transmittable by sexual, sexual activity, contact. even right. monogamous. So, right, right, exactly. The, uh, so what is like measles, mumps, rubella, um, or meningococcal? How are those transmitted into babies? Like, is it by air? Ma- or ma- how, how does that work? Uh, basically aerosol and contact, physical contact and aerosol. Okay. Meaning if you... Like, for example, I was uh, doing my, uh, I was finishing my internal medicine residency in New York and the mother brought a little baby uh, 
to, to the emergency room and find out if the patient was what uh, what the uh, uh, you know skin rash was. And I said that's chicken pox. Take him home. And mm-hmm. of course, I came out with chicken pox because I had never taken immunization. <laughs> right. So I right. spent two weeks with severe. And when you get chicken pox as an adult, it's bad. I mean, it's really, you're sick. You're sick as a yeah. dog. So yeah. it, that's another example of, real-time example of how a vaccine can actually prevent disease in my own case. <laughs> so, Because right. so, if you would have got the, so, that vaccine, you never would have experienced that. No. Just that, just examining the child, I got uh, infected. Right. Just looking at the mm-hmm. child and, you know. So most of the time it's aerosol, meaning, you know, the uh, virus is in the air when close to the patient. Okay. You know, and like, now, for example, if you have smallpox, yeah. they bully that the little boils that come up, they're full mm-hmm. of viruses. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So if one of those boils popped then and, and somebody else is close by or makes contact with that, then they've got it. Or they, it gets aerosolized and you breathe into okay. it. Breathe it. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So now, real quick, I'm on the uh, CDC uh, government website and it's got the uh, regular, regular recommended vaccines. The DTAP, is that what uh, you was talking about? DTAP the, is the, the very first one? Yeah. DTAP stands for diphtheria. Okay. Tetanus. And uh, whooping cough. And whooping cough. Whooping cough okay, is known as asymptom- pertussis. Pertussis. P-E-R-T-U-S-S-I-S. Pertussis. That's the medical term for whooping cough. So when you see P, that's what it stands for. Whooping cough. Okay. Pertussis. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the very Diphtheria, first one. Diphtheria, pertussis, the- and tetanus. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? No, that was the very first one that was on the uh, the website, the CDC website. Right. Um, for mm-hmm. the... Uh, immunizations okay so you said the the flu vaccine for example like they because they wanted to give my wife um, a flu vaccine while she was there and she refused um, because we hadn't done any research on this um and so would you have recommended any she should be fine okay so any pregnant women like even you know somebody that would happen to be listening to this if they're pregnant and thinking about getting a flu vaccine what would you recommend to them that will be fine okay okay I'll so really, fine. all the men and polio I, is, is so, listen. The polio mm, is yeah. absolutely, absolutely mandatory. You cannot, you know, polio is once you get polio, they are par- they are disabled for life. Meaning they have a shortened leg or something. You know, they they mm. are deformed for life. Polio is absolutely essential. Okay, so measles, mumps, like ones... and rubella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the measles, mumps, and rubella is uh, highly desirable, okay. but it's not a matter of life and death. They don't die if they develop measles or mumps, but they are very uncomfortable. The problem with mumps is that if a male child gets mumps, they become sterile. It, it can uh, affect the testes and really? they will not be able to have a sterile sperm, sperm anymore for life. Oh. Oh, so. Wow. If it's a male child, you definitely want mom's vaccine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I highly recommend MMR, the mom's mm-hmm. measles rubella, is a highly uh, desirable one. Varicella is same as, um, you know, um, uh, varicella is chicken pox, I think. Yeah, okay? that's what it says here. And mm-hmm. variola is smallpox. We don't do that mm-hmm. anymore because basically a smallpox has been eradicated in the whole world. Right. 
Now, do they still offer so, that or no? No, they don't offer it. Okay. And in fact, that is uh, kept highly in one of those uh, level four pathogens. <laughs> they keep the viruses just in case there was a problem in the future. Okay. Oh, I see. Uh, I'm sure you heard of those. You know, they have several levels of you know pathogens are kept for future reference. Uh, you know, so a smallpox uh, viruses are kept in a very very secure place for in case we they need something in the future. I don't know why they need it, but uh, that's a different discussion altogether. Right, right. So let, to focus, you know, back. So meningococcal. What exactly is that? I mean, just just for people who may not know, or because um, I'm meningococcal. One of them, you know. Yeah. Okay, meningococcal. Meningococcus is actually a it, you know broadly bacteria can be subdivided into two categories: rods and globes. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Yeah. So some virus, uh, some bacteria look like rods, mm-hmm. and some of them look like globes mm-hmm. so the ones that appear as globes are called cocci coccus or cocci mm-hmm. the rods have a different name all right now right. in the in the cocci uh there can be two kinds i don't want to get too carried away here they can sure. grow in straight line and mm-hmm. they can grow in grapes like clusters okay. so if they grow in clusters like grapes, they call staphyl staphylococcus. Mm-hmm. They're still globes, but they grow up in like uh, clusters of uh, grapes. So they call sure. staphylococcus. Mm-hmm. The one that grow in straight line are called streptococcus. Okay. okay? Now, mm-hmm. uh, meningococcal uh, bacteria is a streptococcus. It's like it's a you know it's a straight line grows in straight line, mm-hmm. and it's we stain it. Sometimes it stains blue. Sometimes it rain, stains red, and we call it uh, 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 the the staining is called Gram stain, named after a guy who invented the stain. So some of them stain blue. They call Gram uh, positive, and some of them uh, stain red. We call it Gram negatives. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so this is a Gram positive cox coccus, and that invades. Uh, it can be aerosol and it can affect young people actually particularly college kids uh, even younger people and it causes inflammation of the brain infection of the brain uh, covering and that, those coverings are called meningi- meningi- mening- meninges okay the covering of the mm-hmm. br- uh, brain the membrane is called mening- meninges and right. it causes inflammation and infection of the meninges and that is called meningitis and it can be fatal oh. very quickly yeah so, meningococcal so that sounds like it makes uh, your brain swell. Bacteria. Uh-huh. Uh. But it is usually given in uh, after the child has become like 15, 16 years of age, not at, the oh. ch- at birth. So, you don't have to worry about it now. So, okay. So, let me ask that then real quick since we're um, – so, uh, I think I, we might have two minutes and we might have – I don't really remember. I know Noah I think we have four minutes. Either. Okay, four minutes. minutes. Okay, okay. So, um, I guess then, what since do when do they give vaccines? Um, is there any that's required? Um, hepatitis right given whenever at the baby is born, or okay, yeah, hepatitis is given at one to two months. Uh, 
rotavirus is given a two-month rotavirus, causes diarrhea in babies. Um, a DPT is given in two months. Uh, influenza is given in two months. Pneumococcal vaccine is given in two months. Uh, polio is given in two months. Influenza is given in six months. MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella is given around one year, between 12 to 15 months. Varicella, that is uh, chickenpox, given between 12 to 15 months. Hepatitis A is 12 to 23 months. Uh, HPV is about 11 to 12 years of age. Meningococcal is 11 to 12 years of age. Mm -hmm. uh, some, uh, I'm sorry, did I say HPV is 12, uh, yeah, 11 to 12. Meningococcal, right. one kind of meningococcal is 12 to 6, 12, 11 to 12 years. Uh, mm -hmm. B type of meningococcal, there are two kinds, meningococcal A and meningococcal B, uh, oh, wow. 16 to 18 years, pneumococcal anywhere from 19 years to 65 years, and zoster, that's uh, shingles, mm -hmm. uh, it's usually given at the age of 50 or older. Oh, wow. Okay. So is there any at birth then? Can you, the ones that are normally, you know, within one to two months, is that the recommended yes. or is those? Yes. Highly recommended. Okay. Yes. Hepatitis okay, okay. B. Mm -hmm. uh, hepatitis B is given at birth and then a second shot at two, one to two months. Rotavirus mm -hmm. in two months first and then two or two, four, four months later. And the third one is given six months. So rotavirus, you got to have three. Three doses. Right. DPT okay. at two months and then four months and six months, three doses. So uh, real quick then in the last couple minutes, if there was anyone listening that you could, uh, that was on the fence, maybe leaning one way or the other pro-vaccine or, you know, hopefully not anti-vax, what would you say to them? Um, the, like I said, the one who's leaning one way or the other. There is a 98% chance your, your child can avoid these diseases uh, by taking vaccinations. Also, the chances of getting hurt from the vaccine is extremely small. And finally, in, one, in the last 30 seconds, there's a big thing about autism. Actually, they did a research. They found that when they removed the mercury, there is some, they used a small chemical called thimerosal, which is a mercury, contains a little bit of mercury, they, when they removed it from the vaccines, the uh, autism actually went up. I'm not saying that the lack of thimerosal caused the autism. I'm just saying, showing that there was no relation between autism and the thimerosal in the mercury in the vaccine. So that is blown to pieces. That's not true. Okay. Because can that's mercury what... hurt babies? Yes, it can. Yeah, but absolutely. in high doses... And right. in very rare instances. Right, because that's what... So I'm you know, never the, saying... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm not going to say that vaccines are 100% safe, but it saves a lot more lives than hurts, and the chance of the child being hurt is extremely small. Never zero, but it's extremely, extremely small. So I would say you should get your children vaccinated. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I, ultimately, I really think in the last minute that we have here, this is just me talking, you know, as a first time dad, a first time, you know, husband, even I've never even, uh, it, 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 this you is my first pregnancy that I've, 
okay that I've dealt with, but I I think that I'm going to vaccinate my child. I definitely think I'm going to do more research on the subject um, for sure. I'm sorry, and, you got one more minute. I apologize. I was looking at the wrong. Oh no, that's. No, you're fine. Yeah, the outro will play in about 20 seconds. I, I got the clock. But um, yeah. Okay, good. So really, you know, just in closing, I, I think I'm going to, um, I would like to talk to you more actually privately um, about it. But sure. I think that, you know, that you've definitely convinced me for sure. Um, so in closing, I just want to thank everybody listening. Um, if you have any more questions, let me know. I'll ask you Maybe we'll bring you back. And I just want to say thank you guys.